Hey, uh, hey, Luna. What um, what kind of home protection defense stuff do you have? <laughs> oh, I have um, broken broom handles in every window, and I got uh, hatchets underneath. Honestly, most of the stuff that I have is more of a threat to my family than it is a protection if they're to come across. But I, I have weapons all over the house. I have a I don't want to say, you know, I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest with you, but mainly I got, you know, lefty and righty, the old one, too. Okay, right, okay. Broken broom handles, hatches, sounds like Blair Witch Project at your house. So you got, like, hanging sticks from the... Yeah. Like, booga, booga, boo, don't come over here and rub me because it's scary. Yeah, if I hear somebody come in and I know, like, oh, I see the shadow creeping. You throw a dream catcher at them. <laughs> right. I throw a wig on and I stand in the corner. A wig. And then they're like, what's that? And then I turn around and hooga booga them out of, the, out, of the, out of the house. That's the plan. That's one way to do it. Did I ever tell you that I got jumped in Denver? No. I got jumped in Denver. This is a story. You know what? If you want to hear the rest of this story, you're going to have to go to Patreon. Oh, wow, you whore. <laughs> I got jumped once, too. And if you want to hear about that, I'll tell you right now. But we're doing 911 Calls Podcast, right? So you want to... Yeah, we're doing 911 Calls Podcast, but we'll put our Jack and... Our jump stories? Jack and the op get jumped on Patreon. Okay. It's worth it. There's, there's some solid stories, so... Yeah, just five bucks a month, right? Yeah, just five dollars a month. Best five dollar tier on the... West East West Coast and the East Coast <laughs> of any continent. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Mm. Uh, so I'll just let you know. Like I'm I'm pretty armed to the teeth. I have a concealed carry permit. I carry uh, not all the time, but you know, often. My wife carries. She has a 380 in her purse. Wow. You know, it's always secure. Like they're secured in holsters, and you know, kids can't get to them and open them and turn them on and. Because you can't turn a gun on. It's not like Robocop. Uh. But, uh, but you know, they're safe, secure. But it's interesting because when you talk about self-defense or you talk about how you protect yourself, it shouldn't be controversial. or It shouldn't be controversial with people, but... Yeah, that, that was a better... That was a better way you said controversial there. You, you corrected your, <laughs> your speech impediment. Controversial? Controversial. Yeah. There. Nailed it. Controversial. Yet it it is controversial. It's weird, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. From people like people are like often generally uncomfortable about the topic. If you bring up methods, there's people that might comment that that's overkill, <laughs> pun intended. But the controversy doesn't just end with like people's opinions. There's tons of cases where someone defends himself against like an attack, even in their homes, and they end up on the wrong side of a legal battle, you know, being sued by the attacker or their family, you know, the attacker's family, or just the justice system in general kind of comes after them. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I've always, you always told me you had a piece, but I thought you were talking about, you know, you're a man hanging off of a, 
a penis or something like that. I thought you were bragging about your endowment. So it's interesting to learn about you. Anyways, what is the, uh, you know, what's your, you know, your outlook on... What's my point? Yeah, what's your friggin' point here? (laughs) What's your friggin' point, stupid? No, it's okay. So for this reason, I've come up with something I'm calling the Ops 123 Basics. Here they are. Number one, no stuff. Number two, do stuff. Number three, defend stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? As dumb as that sounds, it, it, that works. No stuff, do stuff, defend stuff. I like it. It's like basics. But if you follow that extensive training I just gave you, you'll be just fine. Mm. So here, let me ask you a question. Sometimes defend stuff comes before we know stuff or do stuff. Do you know anyone who's been like a victim of a crime and went out and bought a gun as a reflex? No, not really. I don't think so. Well, all right. All right, folks. Good to talk to you. (laughs) 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 Pretend for a moment, Luna, that you have, have you ever... (laughs) I figured you'd say yes to that, but I'm going to flip the script on that one. Yeah. I'm from Canada. Uh, right. <laughs> I have known the people who have been victims of a crime and went out and just bought a gun as a reflex as a response to what happened. Mm. But here's the analogy I like to tell people. Being someone that is a legal carrier of a, of a firearm, if you can't drive a car and you went and got a car and you put your whole family in it and you drove that car... Would that make any sense to anyone? Gotcha. Can't drive a car. Don't know the gas pedal from the brake pedal. Don't know how to turn it on or anything. Mm -hmm. Go and buy a car. Put all of your family in it and drive the car. That's just, no. No one would do that. That's ridiculous and silly. Okay, gotcha. But oftentimes the reflex to defend ourselves comes because of some incident, whether it's our own or, or someone else went through it. The right way to do things, regardless of how you choose to defend yourself or protect yourself, is first, learn the laws, get trained, practice, and then buy self-defense stuff Mm. in that order. Because just like the car scenario, an untrained person who fires and misses the intruder in their home, for example, they risk injuring other people in the home. Right. One of the most common self-defense rounds people use is a 9mm. You've probably heard that term. Even if you're not familiar with guns, you know 9mm. You've heard it on cop shows or whatever. (laughs) Right. So they're commonly fired from a handgun. So 9mm round or the 9mm bullet is fired from a handgun. All right, you ready? It's time to play. Shoot! I don't know. Try and guess some stuff about guns. Oh, man. I see. See the pro- the problem with this whole thing so far, Op, and I'll let you continue. Is that we don't have guns up here. Like I'm 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 from Canada, right? So you're you're talking to me like I'm an American and like I know about about all this stuff. But you know, I'll give it my best shot. What we do up here is we hockey fight, man. We, uh, you know, if you got a gun, you're shooting a deer, and you might accidentally shoot your wife while she's out going to uh, see where that deer is at. <laughs> but there's, you know, not a lot of gun. Not a lot of gun-toting going on around up here. Okay, so there's not a lot of gun-toting, but there's gun ownership, like rifle or, you know, firearms. Rifles, sure. Shotguns, yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, Yeah, I get that. I get that. So, but, but case in point, you could very, very likely have a shotgun in your home Mm -hmm. and use it as self-defense. In some cases, I I would even recommend that you have a shotgun over a handgun in your home because... It's a much more efficient deterrent for an attacker. Okay. In the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But okay, it's time to play. <laughs> Shoot, I don't know. Try and guess some stuff about guns. All right, well, I'll read your script here off because you're prompting me. Hey, guess how many walls in your house a 9mm can go through before stopping? Mm, I'm going to have to answer 22. They can go through 22 pieces of drywall. Okay. And not stop. They'll stop in the 23rd piece of drywall. Is that the exact answer? Because you don't have the answer written down here for me, so I'm assuming you just gave the exact answer. That is correct. A 9mm round, the same that like a gun would go through, like a cop came in your house and shot could go through 22 pieces of drywall before it stopped in the 23rd piece. So in that example, you're hiding in your house. You have your gun that you, you know, may or may not have been trained with. Intruder comes in. You're in one room. You fire in your sense of panic. You may not hit that person. So how many walls are even in your house? You literally, you could shoot through all the walls of a mansion, basically, if it all it hit was drywall. Right. You could hit anyone in any room mm. with that round. Mm-hmm. So wow, I feel like I'm I'm just like following like, like the blind leading the blind because I am truly blind to these these episodes. And I got another question here for you. Apparently, do you think it's better to shoot to kill or shoot to incapacitate? Up. Well, let me ask you. I'll flip that on you. What What do you think? Being a, you know a, a Canadian and fighting your way out of stuff. <laughs> if you had a weapon and you were in a confrontation where your life was threatened. Should you shoot to kill or should you shoot to incapacitate? Uh, kill. Uh, well, it depends on what the threat is, obviously, right? So if they're coming at me with a gun and I got a gun, I'm going to kill them. But if they're coming at me with like fists or they're coming at me with a knife, then kill. I, I, my answer is kill. If somebody's coming at me and they're they're threatening me in any way, I'm going to try to kill them. Right. Once again, very good reason to be trained, right? Because if you have a gun on your person, you should know what scenarios are actually considered life-threatening and which ones aren't. It also factors in that you and I are both six foot two. <laughs> how how tall's your lady friend? <laughs> Six eight. Dang. No, no, she's five. She's she's like, <laughs> she's like five eight. Okay, mine's five two. What is considered life threatening to them would not necessarily be to us. Like a man coming at them with just fists or a knife. Right. So you know you got to factor all these things in, and and all of that is happening in real time. If you ever put your finger on a trigger, your intention should be to kill. If you've pulled out a firearm, right. And the only reason you pull a firearm is to intent to use. And you put your finger on that trigger. The intent should be the kill. Shooting the injure is looked down upon by law enforcement and could end you up in bigger legal trouble, actually, than really? killing someone. Yeah, a trained gr- because it because it downgrades it downgrades the amount of threat that you might have been under because it gives you more time to think. Yes, you mean right? Yes. If so, if you have time to think. So, like, in, in, in driving a car, they say if you have time to speed up, you have time to slow down. Exactly. It could also be argued that if you're shooting to incapacitate your consideration of the deadliness of that event that's happening is not as severe. Right. Right. It's indicative of you having more time to time to think, which means you may not even have to have a shot in the first place, right? A trained gun owner is taught to shoot for the biggest target on the individual. So that's center mass or the torso. Aiming for anything less introduces risk. Like in the house, if I just try to shoot you in the leg or in the shoulder, I might miss and I go through three walls and I hit a kid. Right. You know, sleeping sleeping child or something. Mm. Here's another really important thing that you learn when you when you're trained with firearms in particular. By the way, we're about to hit play on the very, very juicy one. Oh good. If you defend yourself at any time, 
you should expect to go to court. If you don't go to court, you're lucky. But part of being a responsible gun owner is knowing your responsibilities at all times, before, during, and even after an incident. And your accountability to the law is part of that. So you may be innocent, but as as a responsible gun owner, expect that that could be resolved in a court setting. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people don't think of that. They're like, oh, I was just defending myself. And then they're exasperated because they end up mired down in some court case. Also, the court expenses and the costs can also be covered through like a concealed carry insurance and that kind of thing, which can cover court costs until the the verdict of the court is resolved. But it gets messy. Uh, Yeah. A lot of people don't think of that when they're like, oh, I was raped and now I carry a gun because I was raped. Well, were you trained? No. Whose gun is it? My cousin's. You know, all these things just, you know, they, they actually breed more liability. Right. Where do you keep the gun? In my butt. Why? That's where I was raped. Right. Right? Exactly. I, yeah. We should get into the call, though, because I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm a huge idiot. So please, let's give us something to work with. Me too. We're idiots. So are you ready for, are you ready for me to hit play? Clearly. Okay. Here we go. Hello, 
Oof, that's a harrowing one. It's a, it's a lot going on there. I like how well, at the end, I think I heard her saying like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Anyways, I'll let you go up. That was gr- that was so that was intense, man. So you're hearing the voice of Cynthia. She's a 47 year old widow in the Phoenix area, and she calls 911 shortly after 7:20 a.m. one morning in early May of 2014. She heard her doorbell ring, and when she didn't answer the door, the man on the other side rattled the doorknob and then the side gate of her home. As she sat in her home petrified, she watched as he literally peered through several windows. The intruder then smashed the rear sliding door with a garden tool in the backyard. She secured herself into her bathroom as she called 911, and she was armed. Amazing. Amazing. I'll say, like, my feelings throughout that that piece that you played there are, are this. Often after the fact and the questions you were asking previous to playing this call are like, uh, what would you do in this particular situation? But then hearing the call and you put yourself in that situation, the only thought in my mind is kill these people. Like, like, like get them away from, they're coming in to get me, I'm going to kill somebody. There, there's no, there's no thought as to how to best go about this. It's just about if I'm armed and someone's coming into my home, put them down. Right. That's the that's that's the only thought. It's not like there, there, there's all these questions afterwards, but it should be boiled down to a simple question of survival. Do you is your life feeling like it's threatened? And if it is, and you have the ability to snuff that threat out, then do it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, so a couple scenarios I'll throw at you. One, you're not armed. Right now, what? Now what do you do? I run. I don't know. Stand in the corner with a wig on. That's my plan. But now I think I might change that. Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, recently, did you hear about the MMA fighter that that fought with an intruder? Yeah, man. Lionheart Smith, right? Smith, man. Yeah, he fought John. He fought John Bones Jones. Yeah. Gave him a hell of a fight, man. He's he's one of the toughest guys in the UFC. Joe Rogan described him as probably one of the top 100 toughest guys on the entire planet. Do you know how long that guy... Scuffled with that intruder. Yeah, I think it was. Wasn't it like thirty minutes or 20, 25 minutes? It was way up there because he had to basically restrain this guy, right, for the whole time until the police could come and take care of him. I can't remember exact minutes on that. Karen, how many minutes did uh, did Lionheart Smith scuffle with his intruder? Anthony Smith said, "I figure I've got about two minutes before whatever he's got takes me out." Smith said his goal was to protect his family. His wife gathered the children and took them to a bedroom and closed the door. Smith fights at 205 pounds. Somehow, he said, this man who weighed around 170 pounds was still coming at me, an elite UFC fighter, for minutes on end. No normal human is able to fight like that. Smith said, I'm by no means the baddest dude on the planet. But he's a regular Joe, and I had a hard time dealing with him. And he took everything that I gave him. Every punch, every knee, every elbow. He took every single one of them and kept fighting me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Woken up from a dead sleep, he's got his kids in the house. Anthony Smith hears something happen, like he hears somebody yelling in his home. And he gets up, UFC fighter, built the shit, and he he comes out there and there's a guy standing in his living room. 
and he fights the guy like a long time. A lot of people were making fun of him for it, for how long it took him to take him down. He said, I gave him everything I had. I kicked him in the head. I put him in chokes. I was punching the hell out of him, and he just wouldn't stop because he was psychotic, maybe on drugs, but also he had a wrestling background. Yeah. Everyone likes to act tough until, you know, we can all act tough. We can all say all the things that we say that we would do, like I was saying before we got into this, or you were saying. But when the moment comes, you just want to snuff it out. It's not comfortable. And that's the intent, right? The desire is just to snuff it out. Like, here's the thing. You and I both have families. Somebody starts coming through our home, armed or not, we can't run yeah. because the rest of our family's in the house. So we've got to take care of whatever's going to happen. Do you recall, I'm sure you do, several killers that we've reviewed and that people know about, they talk about when they've strangled someone mm -hmm. for the first time. They're always shocked at how long and how, how hard it is. difficult it is to strangle someone, to kill them with your bare hands. Yeah. Yet we all kind of have this like, well, if it were to happen to me, here's what I would do. Swift, you know, sweep the leg. Do this thing, do that thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But then it never works as simply as that, you know, knocking someone out is not easy. No, it's not. You can't, we found out you can't stab a chimpanzee to death, apparently, either. I mean, <laughs> so another reason why they say shoot to kill in these kind of situations instead of shoot to injure or incapacitate is because it could just accelerate the problem. It could it could make the person more mad. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, the the adrenaline on both sides is going so much that they're not going to feel it. They're not going to feel it. So you've got to put them down. Yes. Or get out. Right? Those are your options. And if you get out and you've got family, then, you know, you Yeah. There might be consequences. Absolutely, man. Here, I got a quick quote from you from Anthony Smith as soon as you mentioned that cuz I I really got into this. I was really blown away like by the fact, and a lot of people just kind of crapping on him because he wasn't able to t incapacitate him quick enough. They're like, how could a UFC fighter not take this guy out quick enough? All right. Here's his quote. He's like, I, I did not know what he had. Typically, people don't break into your house in the middle of the night for any good reasons. I'm expecting I'm going to hear a gunshot or he's going to stab me like he's got something. I figure I got about two minutes before he, whatever he's got, takes me out. So he's standing there in his underwear and in that moment he's goes forward. There's a flight, flight, or fright situation there. Right. Like, you know, there's a good choice, a bad choice, no choice at all. So he's obviously a fighter. He's going to fight. Some people might run, but he's got two little girls in the house, his uh, mother-in-law and his wife standing behind him. Mm -hmm. He's going to fight. And within that fight, he's worried about being stabbed shot, like he said. He eventually does get him down. But after I heard that, I'm like, man, right? I thought I could take a guy with my bare hands. If a UFC fighter can't take a guy with his bare hands, maybe I need to get a gun. Well, and that's the thing. So right there, you hear about that and you take it seriously enough. Now Jack owns a gun, <laughs> you know, but doesn't know how to use it. Right. It's the fear of anyone that has pulled the trigger in a safe, controlled environment. You recall not too long ago, there was the shooting at that church. Yeah. And uh, there's a video of it, right? The guy comes in the front, just takes two people out, and then a concealed carrier yeah. from the back of the church it's tags a, this guy right in the head, right? Unbelievable shot. Yeah, It's an amazing shot, and, and that goes to his training. Also, if you watch the rest of the video, as the video plays on after that shot rings out, several other people stand up from the crowd, from the congregation, pull their weapons out, and are aiming him, just flailing him over in the direction of the shooter, the original shooter. Mm -hmm. Which, as someone that carries a weapon legally and, and is trained, I look at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at 
Look at how many people that guy just swept. Look at how many heads that guy just swept with his gun as he's like in a panic mode after the fact. And we're all like, oh, man, that was really good. And I agree. Commend that guy. Yeah. But then the emotional response from the untrained carriers shows up. And that's what worries me. And I'm sure there are people listening right now, ladies even, that are like, oh, no, you don't want to come in my house. You come in my house. I will. I will throw you down. Oh, oh, I'm scrappy. I might be small, but I'm scrappy. You're not scrappy enough. Yeah. These are situations where I, I feel like Cynthia, in this case, she was prepared. Yeah. She was prepared. Also, consider this. One shot. That's all. She didn't empty her gun. Told you that even in, even in, in this instance, she was composed to a certain degree, almost maybe muscle memory as far as what was going on. If there's more to this call then, right? Definitely. Let's get to it. Okay, so let's hear a little bit more of it. So what I heard leading up to this next section right here was that obviously the, the intruders intruded. Yes. They came in and you could hear, hear her like kind of panicking, not wanting to do what she has to do. So I'd like to hear what she did next. Ready for me to hit play then? I am. All right, here we go. Right after a quick commercial break, we go to pay the bills. All right, here we go. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, I've, I've got them all coming out as fast as they can. So I've, they're, they're arriving in the area now, okay? Yeah. When 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 you hear them at the door, I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to have to... Um, I'm not going to walk up the top of the no, stairs. No, 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 I'm, I'm not going to want you to leave the bathroom. Yeah, I'm going to have them come to you, but you're going to need to put the gun down, not near you. I will. Okay, okay. I'm going to wait till you see the officers before I disconnect, okay? I'm showing they are there. They should be coming inside. Okay. Okay. Come on back. I put the gun down. Okay, I'm going to let you go now. Okay. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Whoa. Yeah. You know, man, uh, how often do you um, hear about a story? It's like just like a little footnote maybe in the news or we all read off the internet now. It needs to be pretty spectacular for it to come across for you to see it these days to even consume it. Back in the day when you just had newspapers and stuff, all the all the crime would kind of be put in there locally, but like on a national level, it would have to be pretty spectacular for it to cross your radar. Yes. And something like this has obviously crossed your radar. I'm sure other people have heard about this. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about this. But the reason why you hear about it is because it's so spectacular that she actually defended herself and was able to, to knock this man down. I'm not sure if he died or not. You can tell me in a second. But what I want to say is that if they had to come in and just did a home invasion, tied her up and stole all of her shit, raped her and left her there and did not kill her, you probably would have never heard about it because that stuff happens more often than people uh, realize. Yeah, more often than people successfully defending themselves. Not that often do people successfully defend themselves, so that's why the story comes across your page. I won't go too far off track, but like banks get robbed all the time, and you only really hear about it when they're caught. Right. They don't want to promote like the idea that you can rob a bank and get away with it. Suicides happen quite often too, kids in schools, but now they're kind of dousing those as well because there's no real positive to it. You bring up a very good point. One reason that this one didn't make as big of a splash, it was on the tail end of two other gun incidents in Arizona. One where a man used an AR-15 and just killed a bunch of people. Both of the incidents prior to this were negative as far as gun ownership and gun use. So this one got buried because the people had had enough instant news right. on gun violence and 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 this the the media opted to not show this as hey sometimes though sometimes yeah it works out they just they just buried it right the news works like gossip the news is basically gossip yes it's it's uh so if your neighbor breaks up with her husband and nothing has happened for a while you will talk about that but then down the street if a little kid gets hit by a car at the same time, you'll never hear about that husband being broken up with by the wife, right? Right. So it's the the bigger the bigger news wipes out the smaller news. This seems like pretty big news to me, though. Did did she? See, here's my here's my immediate question. What I'm interested in: Did the guy die? How's he doing? When 20 year old Michael Lewis broke into her house and he found her in the bathroom, he began to beat Cynthia, he striked her several times in the face before she even defended herself with the firearm. This is an interesting point to me because here, if you figure this, one, he says, he says, oh, I thought the house was abandoned. So he breaks into the house. Okay, so far, so good. Okay, I could believe his story. 
<laughs> but that call was uncut. So the minor amount of time that transpired between him breaking the back window of the, of the sliding door, finding her in the bathroom, and then beating her. Right. His intentions, an abandoned house, what's he going to take from it? Copper plumbing? <laughs> I don't, I don't believe his story. One, he had no idea she was armed, so he found her in a bathroom and instantly started beating her, right. which if you're trying to break into a house you think is abandoned and you hear anything going on in there, yeah. you're out. Absolutely. If you're there to pillage, you're out. He's there to, to, in my opinion, probably to rape her and murder her. Who knows what, right? Yeah, to hurt her. Yes, exactly. Cynthia shot Lewis one time. Sent him to the ground, partially outside of the bathroom. She stayed in the bathroom. Like she said, you you could hear her on the call saying, I'm not going to step over this guy. Right. Right. Very smart move because he could have scrambled, you know, and then there would have been another scramble. But also the entire time I'm thinking like, are there more guys? Like, is he, is he alone? Yeah. yeah, right. It could be. Yeah, they could just be downstairs waiting, waiting for her to pass by, uh, you know, in a panic or whatever. And then it's a whole nother, mm. whole nother round. Yeah. So when the police arrived, they arrested Lewis and he was sent to the hospital where he recovered from his injuries for a month. He was ultimately convicted on second degree burglary and aggravated assault. And he served five years. He was released in 2019. Mm. What's his name again? Michael Lewis. By the way, I've been using the trick that I mentioned a couple episodes ago where you just go to Google and you type in the name of the state that the the incident happened in and then prisoner search or inmate search. And I had him in three minutes. Yeah. Very similar to this. Uh, I did a search on a lady. Uh, oh, and I did a search because you can search active and inactive Inmates. So I found out when he was released and everything like very helpful information, especially for a victim to know that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned you did a search on a lady, but we won't talk too much about that. But yeah, the like the with with this though, what happened to her? Did she get charged or self defense? It was deemed self defense. She wasn't charged, but because of the gun incidents that had happened just prior to this, there was an air of political element to all of this, you know. So it did it did raise the. Uh, the attention of lawmakers and politicians and the news media, although they weren't spreading it to the public, it, it made its way through the, you know, it circled. Sure. The sharks circled the situation going, okay, is this a Second Amendment supportive kind of thing or should we right. critical of this? Should we run this down? Yeah. It's sad, you know, because, man, she just, you heard the call. There's there's no reason to put this lady through anything else, but no. she very likely could have been put through all that just because of the regular way the, the gears of the justice system work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they got to pick the corpse of a crime to see if they can use it in any way politically, like you said. Wow. All right. So I got another question for you. So, you know, in the course of conversations that I've had with people when I talk to them about, you know, firearms or guns or whatever, you know, because it's not a comfy, comfy topic. People will be like, oh, what about a stun gun or no. pepper spray? So what do you think? What about a stun gun or pepper spray? In that situation, clearly she wanted some space. She's in the bathroom. The guy's coming in. Door. She, you got to get close for a stun gun or a pepper spray. And you know what? When you pepper spray in a situation where like you're, the, the ceilings are low, the walls are closing around you, you're not always in an ideal situation to throw that pepper spray out there. Right. You spray yourself. Yes. You spray yourself too, and, and you anger them. Right. Too. Just like you do with an animal often as well, right? So gun. Exactly. Gun. I'm glad she had a gun. It's in the, it's, 
Yeah, it's in the realm of uh, shoot to injure. Yeah. In a, in a way. So here's the rule of thumb to use. And, you know, a lot of people, especially women, you know, they'll, they'll carry pepper spray or a stun gun or, or a taser on their person, like in a purse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Stun guns and pepper spray are intended to be used by, once again, a trained person. If you're getting pepper spray or, you know, a, a healthy dose, you know, the, the powerful stuff, you, you should be trained to use that. Mm. If you're using that, though, it should be used in incidents where the situation is not deemed to be life-threatening. If you've ever watched cops or something like that and they've got tasers out instead of guns, right. it's because they have that muscle memory in their training to say, this is not a situation where things are life-threatening, so we will we will disable right. or incapacitate this person as opposed to taking their life. Right. That's when that's, that should be used. But th- for the person that's like, my home defense is I have pepper spray in my drawer. Or like a jar of jalapeno peppers in the cupboard. Yeah, you might as well throw the jar at them. Yeah. Because you're trapped in a bathroom. We saw what happened. Bless your heart for having pepper spray, but... I think the reason I I feel a little amped up. I feel a little like like when we were talking about that mommy blogger because yeah. I relate to this. I carry and I I try to be I do it responsibly. So when I think about all the people out there that believe that they are secure because they have pepper spray in their pocket, mm-hmm. never sprayed it once. It's probably expired, mm-hmm. you know. Or in the incident where bless bless their heart, someone went through an incident and now they carry a gun or have one in their drawer and they don't know where it came from or they bought it just on a whim or whatever. I, I worry and I, it makes me want to to say there are resources to make sure that you're not doing these things out of fear, that you're doing it from a place of protection and preparedness. You know what I mean? I hear you. I always know when you're excited about something because I think you have two pieces of gum stuck to your shirt, but it's just that your nipples have ripped through your T-shirt. I, oh, I could cut glass. <laughs> it's just... You know, yeah. I agree. Right. Get real. You agree. It's your reality. So is that it? It's my reality. I was going to expound just for a minute on my one, two, three approach. Okay. <laughs> what I recommend is to just suck it up and decide for yourself. Here's why. I Googled this and just like everything that is controversial out there. If you Google the topic of self-defense or home defense, you'll find everyone giving you 100% proof positive case that guns are the way to go. Mm. And... You'll also find 100 proof positive case that they should be avoided and you should use stun guns or pepper spray instead. Mm -hmm. You cannot find a locked down answer on what's right. So what I say is suck up your fear and decide for yourself what's right for you and your situation. One, no stuff. What are the laws where you live? You got to know that first. What's considered self-defense versus you just violating someone's rights? You don't know. So find that out. Remember, court is always just around the corner. The law is always around the corner from whatever action you're about to take. So you should know stuff. Right. With, with Sorry to cut you up, but within this situation, I might be repeating myself, but like if that woman did not have a gun, we'd be talking about a woman who got raped and murdered or tied up or something terrible happened to her. Right. And the only other option I could think that she would have had was to have had a system installed where she presses a button inside the bathroom and a bear trap drops outside the bathroom and catches them on the leg. You know what I mean? The, the only the only way was the gun. Yeah. Well, the only way was the gun. There. Right. That was a situation where her life was threatened. And once again, it is so hard to make those decisions if you're not used to practicing those scenarios, you know? So also, 
A taser, though, sorry, Op, but a taser, you know, the ones the cops had that they shoot and it's got the wire and all that? That that probably could have done the same thing, right? Good point. Let's say you decide, you know, I, I'm comfortable with the taser. I'm not comfortable with the gun in my house. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the taser. So you you do your research. You find a taser that, you know, is equivalent to what the cops use, let's say. Sure. So, by the way, those vary. So a cop, their tasers, they emit a charge for five seconds. Because they also have handcuffs and they're trained in incapacitating someone. So five-second charge knocks a person to the ground. They're on top of them. They they handcuff them. The public version of a taser gun has a charge for 30 seconds because we don't have handcuffs or anything. The whole point of it is to get the hell out of the situation. But Jack... Right. Let's say you're comfortable with the stun gun, the, you know, the taser gun. Mm. And that's your option for your house. You have how many kids? Two. Two. You got one wife and you. Yeah. So that I know. the option you've chosen is taser in your house. So you shoot 30 second charge. Then the dude's back up. You don't have, you know, 30 seconds to get your whole family out of the house. So it right. pays to think through the scenario and say, okay, legally, what can I even have in my home? Like in Canada, what can you have? What can't you have? Yeah. So know those things because you might be shocked at the constraints that the law puts on you as to what even your options are. And it's crazy when you start looking into it. Yeah, man. Well, I'll still stick to my wig and uh, a jar of jalapeno peppers, but you're making me think a little bit. Well, I think of the ladies that listen to our show, you know, I, I don't want to freak anybody out, but I want I want people to know that if this conversation makes them uncomfortable, good. Because they shouldn't feel uncomfortable about this. You should feel comfortable because you've decided for you what is right for you. And that leads to number two, do stuff. So <laughs> don't prepare out of emotion. How'd you like that segue, huh? Pretty sexy. <laughs> so do stuff, people. Don't prepare out of emotion. In other words, don't choose to prepare yourself to defend yourself just because something has happened to you or because of a looming threat. That puts undue burden on you to try to bypass sound decision making. If you don't feel like you can make this decision yourself, a quick Google, you can find professionals in the area that can help walk you through like what is possible? What are, what are you capable of having? What are your options? Like when you're walking in the mall, when you're at your house, when you're in your car, what are the options that you have at your disposal? And then finally, protect stuff. Knowing that a bullet can pass through 22 sheets of drywall and that you have about 30 seconds worth of a shock on your stun gun should help humble you and what you can do to protect yourself and what you can't. But with all that said, Jack, mm. do you know what the best way to protect yourself is? Uh, avoid the situation if at all possible. But see, the thing is, it's, but the thing is, uh, situations like this, life and death situations are not planned are, are, you know, normally. They just arise out of nowhere. So, I mean, how are you, how are you going to avoid this situation? How are you going to avoid... Be- you can't. Right? You're in your house. She's she, she sounds like a sweet lady. I don't know her. doesn't matter what she is. She just seems scared and she's prepared and she handles it. Yep. And, and I'm just I'm just, I'm just relieved to hear that she she wasn't... Uh, no repercussions came on to her. I, I was... I agree. Right there with her, man. I just... Damn. Guy's coming in through the window. Corner in the bathroom. Boom. I shot him. I shot him. Warn him first. Well, imagine how this probably went for Cynthia, you know, years before. She's at a, you know, cocktail party with her friends and they're all like, Cynthia, I can't believe you carry a gun. That seems so creepy, you know, and and who who are the people that she probably got to talk to about preparedness and everything? They're guys that people would judge as like preppers. Yeah. Gun nuts or whatever. I'm sad that the stigma is that in order to protect yourself, you kind of got to flow against this social Mm. 
notion that it's that it's unacceptable. But I've carried for years, and I've never pulled my gun out, and I hope to never do it. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. But but if I do, I'm prepared. I think I think it's also important. See, I always uh, shit on people for talking tough, and I do it myself sometimes too. I mean, I do it a lot, to be honest. And what that is, I'm realizing lately, and especially with this episode, I'm really realizing it, it's like you're mentally preparing yourself to be able to go to do it when the time comes. Because if you think you could stab somebody, really think about that. I have trained myself to be able to stab somebody because I don't have a gun. Like I have trained myself to when the moment comes, I know I need that muscle memory in place. Yeah. I don't want it to, you know, go scuffing off their collarbone and then. Right. You hit them right in the sternum. (laughs) And then they grab the knife off of me and stab me to death. I've been in fights before in my life where like I thought I was supposed to throw the first punch and throw it half-heartedly because I'm not entirely committed to like getting into the fight and as soon as I throw that punch they come with full punches on me and kick my ass so it's all about being able to commit when the moment is right and uh, hearing stories like this might help towards that we all talk tough but I'm going to pull back on those people that talk tough because I think what they're doing is they're, they're, they're mentally preparing themselves for an actual battle and it's the thing I shit on them for is like you're acting like you've already been through that battle you're acting like you're like a hero like you, you, you're in a, you, you need a purple heart for the way you're talking to me but I think what they're doing is they're uh, gearing themselves up to earn that purple heart when the moment comes. Well, not purple heart, but you know. I have an arsenal, right? And here's my here's my talking tough. If you come at me, I'm running away. <laughs> if you come at me, I'm getting the hell out of there, even though I carry. Because here's the thing. You know, people have said, people have asked me before. They're like, oh, what about a knife? What about a knife? Uh, what about a knife? And here's the cannot use a knife in self-defense yeah it's not legal it's actually not here's the crazy thing about a knife if you've got the wherewithal to use a knife on someone because it's so ineffective in disabling killing in killing it's so hard to kill someone with a knife first blow or whatever that by the time you're stabbing them 10 times you could have been running away so they say if you have a knife on you that knife if it comes in contact with your aggressor and this is hypothetical only because I'm not I'm not giving you advice here. But <laughs> if you pull a knife on a guy who's coming at you, that knife better only make contact that, with that person when you are full sprint past that guy. Right. Like if you're going to stab him, it better be on the run. Right, right. You know, because anything else is not considered self-defense. These are the crazy things about self-defense that people don't know. They're like, man, what? I'd be in jail or in court at least, you know? Yeah. Crazy. And it happens in an instant. It happens out of nowhere for most of us. Right. All of us, really. Oh. All right, man. Let's move on. You got a palate cleanser? What were we talking about? Mommy bloggers again? I get so wound up. Anyway, okay. Hey, I've been thinking about something else, though. I don't really even know what a palate cleanser is. We've been using it, and I think I've come up with a more brandable term for the heartwarming calls on these episodes. Oh, really? So. No, well, that, like a palate cleanser is like, you know, you're eating sushi and you throw that ginger in your mouth. Some people eat it, that pink stuff. You just put it in there, it clears it out. I hear you. So, yeah, a palate cleanser is like getting ready for another course. It's not really a transition. What do you got? Okay, so, I think we'll start calling them happy endings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you think about it, it's so good. You know, the happy ending helps 
you know, rub out the bad calls. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you get yourself into a lather and yeah. you need some kind of release and you're looking for a happy ending. Like in the movies, they, they make you smile and they just eject any tension that you might have felt build up, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right, happy ending. Sure, man. Yeah, tra- tra- yeah do, do, do the happy ending, yeah. Everybody needs... Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, some release after all this tension. I, I hear you. Do you even know what you're talking about? Do you you know what a happy ending is, right? Sure, happy ending, like in the movies, Disney movies. You know, happy endings. There's always a blonde, and she's happy, and and the guy's happy too, and okay, everyone's happy, and then the credits are all all right, man. You know, all right. Disney movies. All right, shoot a happy ending all over us, then. Let's do that. All right. So without further jacking around, here's a happy ending that I, I'd like to give to you, Luna. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. My mouth's friggin' like my jaw just dropped, man. I'm I'm really surprised. That's a good idea. Good. Yeah, all right. All right. Let your guard down, cause here it comes. You ready for me to play? I'm looking right up at you. Yeah. Here we go. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Uh, I just saw a couple of girls carrying an alligator over into a field at 50th Street West. And it, it was moving, so I assume it was alive, but I Could didn't... Could it have been a lizard? No, if this was like four foot long. No, no, I trust. Were they white, black, Hispanic? Pardon? Were they white, black, Hispanic? White. They were white. It looked like... 20 ish, around 20 ish, eight years old. You said they were taking it to a field? They were taking it into the field on the um, Okay, and again, uh, 50th West and K? Uh, 50th Street West and K, yes. We'll send someone out there, thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, bye. Bye. Okay, so this call about an alligator took place in Los Angeles. The sheriff's office had received a suspicious activity call. And when the deputies ended up stopping the van, they found that the women, in addition to having an alligator, had a kangaroo. What? The uh, yeah, kind of a weird one. So the the women, what are you talking about? The women who called, who made this call? The woman that called was calling on two women. Right. Calling about two women. Okay, sorry. In a van that got out of a van and were taking an alligator into this field. Uh, when the when the deputies stopped the van, they found that those women also had a kangaroo in the van. Okay, I got you now. What the? Yeah. What's going on here? There was just so much that I got distracted with with that call because she was like, they were like 28 ish. 28. Like, who pulls that number? How, how old were they? All 28. Okay. 28 ish. Right. Yeah, and then the, the dispatcher's like, is that deep dish or <laughs> pan crust? Was she going olives? Is there extra cheese on that? She sounded way too restrained for that call happening. That's a, that's a he ripped her face off kind of response. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like she was taking an order, like you said. It was weird. Right, yeah. Go ahead and pull around to the front window and we'll take care of you. Thank you, that'll be 424. So the woman explained to the deputies that they're part of a quote-unquote zoo-to-you program based in Paso Robles there in California. 
they had just left an elementary school after showing the students the animals. Mm. They, they said, it seemed that the alligator forgot to use the restroom before leaving the school and it soiled its cage. Mm. So after a quick photo op, the deputies let the ladies go. So that was nice. But Luna, can you... Uh, can you guess what they said to the ladies says they drove away? No. Well, it's just kind of some, some kind of setup. I, I don't know. What, what would they say to them as they set away? As they, as they, as they walked, drove away. What? See you, see you later. You're, you're an idiot. Man. Alligator. Oh, okay. I got you. All right. All right. I'm not as dumb as you. Or maybe I'm dumber. I'm sorry. Man. I've never. I'm, Dad jokes are plenty come from here. I'm actually proud I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. I always thought. You know, that we were so intertwined mentally that we could finish each other's... Yeah. Come on, man. <coughs> ...sentences. For sure. Oh. Me too. All right. Well, let's move on. You got any more of this call? What are we doing here? Is that it? No, that's it. I thought we'd leave people with the, you know... A You're losing it. ...alligator tails. All right. All right. That was intense on the first one. I'm still feeling it for that lady. Backed up in the corner, man. Screaming. I think she did the right thing, you know? And... Just, I guess, stay safe. Don't own alligators or kangaroos. Sound like that kangaroo really didn't get the, you know, the limelight that it deserved on oh, that call. Oh, man, big time. With with what we're doing here, too. They had a kangaroo in a, what, in a truck or a van? Van, yeah. Kangaroo in a van, man. <laughs> How big was the kangaroo? Not big enough, I guess, to talk about. You put a kangaroo and an alligator in a van, you know what you have? <laughs> I don't know. One alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have any good dad jokes to tell you, so I guess we're just going to float off into the sunset. Uh, thank you, everybody, for showing up. Appreciate all the feedback, especially the, the 911 operators who have been reaching out to us. Up. We're getting a lot of insight from them. They're trying to support it. They want to see a podcast like this out there, and we're completely open to all of your input and feedback, so I appreciate it. At the end of the day, I'm glad everyone is keeping kind of an objective perspective on what this is we don't talk about 911 calls unless there's some level of entertainment right yeah so we appreciate everybody coming at this with the level heads yeah and very very good yeah man we're not trying to pretend like we really do a deep dive psychologically and we're just a couple of idiots listening to 911 calls so you know it's just a big idiot fest so thanks everybody yeah thanks for letting us be idiots hugs <laughs> <laughs> The 911 Calls podcast is an 1159 media production hosted by the operator and his junior assistant to the operator, Mr. Luna. Produced by the operator and supported by friends like you. Help us keep the lights on by supporting us on Patreon, gossiping about the show, and throwing us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next call, hugs. Hugs.